what's out there. That's why I'm a girl. Hi, and welcome back to Wild Dream, where we give you the freshest takes on the latest movies. My name is David. And my name is Daniel. And we just saw Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons Honor Among, Among Thieves. Thieves. That was unrehearsed. That was unrehearsed. How you like that shit? And we remembered the tagline and everything. Not too bad for not being rehearsed. Uh, I, I, David, you're the dungeon master here. I say the title of the movie on the podcast in sync with you and nothing goes wrong. All right. Roll for charisma. Uh, which one do I roll? <laughs> That's what it actually is like when, when I was bit, I've been in your campaigns. <laughs> <laughs> Roll for you. That's so funny. As someone who plays it, that that is like the most basic shit. That is the equivalent of like having someone play Call of Duty and they say, "How do I shoot?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, uh, which one do I roll? And you're like the D12, and I'm like, and you're like the green one. I'm like, all right, all right, cool, bro. Literally, and Daniel didn't ever have his own pair of dice, so he always had mix match dice that we weren't using. <laughs> From our oh, yeah, guys. Well, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. All right, let's talk about that. Let's uh, talk about it first. Let's say what we're all thinking. None of us are surprised. Go ahead. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I've been playing Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons um, for a long time. I even played a, a different game when I first started back when I was like fucking thirteen. I can't remember what the name of that game was, but it wasn't Dungeons and Dragons. It was just like it though. And then I started playing a, a different fantasy campaign that was half Dungeons and Dragons, half uh, homebrew. And then I started playing actual 5e Dungeons and Dragons for a couple of years. Uh, and most recently, like mm, I, over a year ago now, maybe even closer to two years, I was playing a Star Wars RPG. Um, so, yeah, I've been playing RPGs for a long time. And uh, I've always enjoyed them. I think Dungeons and Dragons was my favorite. It's got the most, um, you know, like outside of like, I guess, homebrews where you can add as much shit as you want. But it's got the most like clear cut definitive rules. You know, there's like, you know, campaigns that you can buy to make it easier. So, well, yeah, there's only two things in it. Dungeons and Dragons. Right. It's and easy. so that's it. You know, it's very clear. <laughs> it's very cut. <laughs> um, uh, dungeon. Which one's that? <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? So, like, if you like, sometimes on on television series, they will have a Dungeons and Dragons thing, and like, obviously, Community has like two really famous Dungeons and Dragons episodes, but one of which uh, is removed. One of them, it's canceled for no. It's yeah. it's canceled because he's purple. It's canceled because <laughs> of blackface, apparently. Um, but yeah, so you know. It's funny because every time a sitcom does that, and you know, Community is not the only one, but every time they they've done that, there is a like jock or cool character, and like the plot of those episodes are usually that the jock is now the loser. He's now the one who's like, you know, he can't do anything because these loser kids come to this game to be cool, and then they are cool and they know what to do, and then the jock is like, you know, he seems like he's not cool, and he's not doing anything well, and he's a loser because. You know, the dungeon master will say roll for charisma and he'll be like, which one is that? You know, and so it's like it's like that bit, you know. Uh, but yeah. And the thing about, uh, you know, coming into this movie is just that 
the first thing I was thinking, like when I knew we were going to come do this was that I haven't played any role playing games in I think like over two years. Um, and now that I'm getting older and my friends are getting older and I have this podcast and a uh, day job, uh, you know, who knows when I'll ever do another campaign again. So it's like, wait, it, we're supposed to have a day job in addition to this. Yeah. That seems like a lot of work. You know, we don't make money from this podcast. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I have so many emails to send. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I was like, I was a little bit like, not like sad, but I was like worried that the movie was going to make me sad. It was going to make me like miss playing the game. Yeah. Miss playing the game and like make me realize more how difficult or impossible it would be to start playing again. I feel like the movie uh, didn't have the right name. It really should have been called Dungeon and Dragon. Right. <laughs> only one dungeon, only one dragon. Two out of ten. <laughs> uh, one point for each Dungeon and Dragon. Fuck you, you motherfuckers. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I've, I've played, I mean, technically, yeah, I've played in multiple <laughs> uh, campaigns of different types of games as well. Um, how has that gone horribly? I think it's interesting because it's like, you know, you, you have like this kind of game is something that I think combines two different, you know, things. It combines. Dungeons okay. And well, dragons. Right. <laughs> I was going to say that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it combines role playing and improvisation and all that stuff. Um, and gameplay. So if you're someone who loves video games, you might like Dungeons and Dragons because it's you're playing a game. And if you like like you know, especially if you love tabletop games like all the, you know, different types of table tabletop games. Um and if you like improving and you like being funny, you like being, you know, silly whatever, it can be fun doing that too because you know, you're kind of like writing your own story and things like that. So, you know, if I feel like for most people if they lean more towards one or the other, they're going to be frustrated playing the game. Because if they want to improv all the time, well, they're going to be frustrated by the limitations of the game. But if they want to just fight or just play the game all the time, then they're going to be frustrated because they're going to be, you know, long lulls in every campaign in between the times in which you're, you know, fighting and, and rolling and all that shit because you have to be a part of a story. People say... And when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons, you know, it is what you make it like, you know, it, it can be as fun or as exciting as you decide it to be. But I also think that that comes with the right DM. You know, if you don't have a good DM, you know, who's not invested, who's not putting in the time to to do those things, um, you know, it's not going to be as fun. Uh, I just want to give a shout out, you know, before we really get into this movie. I was planning on having uh, one of my closest friends, Timothy, on the show today, who I went to film school with, who also play Dungeons and Dragons, you know, he, he's grown up like playing those games and stuff like that too. Um, and I really wanted him ha have him on the show. And, uh, you know, unfortunately he, he works for a disaster relief organization. So he's actually in Mississippi right now, um, with his company helping the people out down there. So, you know, send your like positive thoughts to Timothy, you know, shout out to him. I'm really, you know, it's, it's frustrating. He can't be on the episode today. Yeah, pretty but selfish that he would choose that over this. I know but, that's, that's really, <laughs> yeah. Go help people in, in need for, uh, from a disaster, but uh, no, no, seriously, we'll do the podcast alone. Fuck. What like what the fuck Timothy? Dude. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Timothy, he did a one shot. So for those unfamiliar, one shot, is like a small D and D campaign. You play characters that you're never going to play again. You just do it for one night. And then, you know, it's the end of that. And he, Ooh, one night stand Dungeons and Dragons, one night stand. I can't wait yeah. for that sequel, baby. Dude, honestly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you don't have to wait for that. Google that and you will find okay, gotcha, it. Okay, gotcha. one I said. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so. Rule 34. He did a, a one-shot for us one time that was one of the best 
like nights of gameplay that I've ever experienced is incredibly immersive. Mm, super yeah. fun. <laughs> this you is know. really going in tune with that one night stand thing. Okay. The best I've ever experienced. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's kind of weird how it's lining up. I'm just saying. And it was gone in the morning. <laughs> Timothy rocked my fucking rocked world my that night. fucking world that night, dude. <laughs> and I woke and up. We and we played a game. I wasn't that person anymore. <laughs> and we played a game. <laughs> and, we, and the campaign was pretty good, too. Uh, yeah. So shout out, Timothy. We love you. We're sending you all of our positive thoughts. Yes, and sir. We and, miss you, man. And we miss you. And we will definitely definitely make sure to have you on another episode soon. Um, but getting into this movie, uh, let's let's talk about the length. Let's talk about sex. We baby. were already kind of upset doing another long ass fucking movie. Yeah, I, I definitely when, we were, when I was booking the tickets for this, I was like, God, dude, what is do they make movies underneath two hours anymore? And then, of course, the one time we go see uh, an hour and 30 minute movie, it's 65, which is the worst movie I've ever seen like ever. So I'm like, OK, so finally there's a short movie that feels like it's two and a half hours because it's so bad. Yeah. 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 I don't know. what. Why does everybody got to make movies so fucking long now? And here's what's crazy about this one. And tell me if you feel the same way. I feel like I would have really, really enjoyed this movie if they had like maybe expanded it by an hour or two and made it a miniseries. Like if this was like a five episode miniseries, uh-huh. like like think about it like this. If you take Dun- like the, the, the property of Dungeons and Dragons, the property of it, right? And you're able to do something this, you know, well done with it. You know, I thought this movie was really well put together. And you do a miniseries, you do like a five episode, one hour long each miniseries. Well, that's kind of how most D&D campaigns in real life work, because you go every week to a new session until you finish the campaign. Yeah. Um, And, you know, they're split up. You know, you like you will quantify your sessions as like episodes of a TV show. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're Mm -hmm. like, it's easy to compare those two. So you make Dungeons and Dragons and you make a miniseries and guess what? Because it's fucking Dungeons and Dragons, the next season is different actors who are different characters and you do an actual anthology series. Well, I think I, I first you know of all, saying? first of all you're right. Like because I, I do that's the thing like yes, this movie was long but the characters talk very fast, the movie moves very quickly, like it's it it's really fast-paced. And uh no, I think I think that you're right because I do, I do see this being a miniseries for sure, and I think it would be more. You could do so much more and, and explore a lot more in that in that way, especially with just like story, character development, locations, like whatever. You can really expand on everything, and it doesn't have to move as fast as this movie moved. Um, but the thing is, the fact that you bring that up is interesting because I feel like if this does well. That's probably in the cards. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially with how like big uh, House of Dragon was after everyone was fiending, you know, for some more Game of Thrones shit. So that came out and it was a smash hit immediately. Like people want this type of shit. They just made a Lord of the Rings show that did well. Like it did. Yeah. On Amazon Prime. No, I know what show you're talking about. I just didn't know that it did well. Oh, but well, did it actually? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, but anyways, it's like people. It's clear that the masses do enjoy this like type of fantasy, old, you know, 
what's the I don't know what the right terms are, but like that type is that bullshit ass just fancy. <laughs> you got it on the first try. <laughs> it's, is it fan? It's, what's that bull? <laughs> just wants to diss it. But no, I mean that's what's funny is that that's what kept me away from Game of Thrones for like five seasons. Like if that was because the, you weren't into fancy. You yeah, didn't realize it was how like, much about like government. <laughs> right, I didn't realize how much like dicks, tits, like gore. Yeah, if you knew violence. how much tits there was in there, you'd be like, oh well, then y'all should have told me start right. with that. Start with that. Well, they're um, fantasy tits, Does and that even make then, it better? that's what's so funny too. Like obviously that show was fantastic, but my least favorite part of that show was the fantasy elements, especially the magic. When you know, like brand storyline and stuff. Oh, spoiler, dude! Oh, how's that a spoiler? That fuck. <laughs> Wait, the crippled kid? <laughs> oh, did you just finish dude, episode I'm on, two? Yeah, <laughs> I'm on episode two. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna watch any of it. Fuck, I should lied. Um, now the now I now everything in that entire show has been spoiled to me. <laughs> um, we all know Game of Thrones famous for having one plot in story. Going. That's it. That's it. Um, again, I just think if this movie does well, I think that's definitely in the cards because Hollywood does not miss a beat to make money, and you know these streaming platforms are extremely competitive, and they want every piece of the pie. So they're like, do it, do it through us, bro. Right, it, it feels Shout like out every, Quibi. Quibi's <laughs> Quibi's been happen. <laughs> it feels like every time something like this comes out, it's like it's more about you know uh, Dungeons and Dragons. I know it's not you know whatever making more money by putting out a, you know giving the rights to Paramount to put out a movie to get a bunch of people really interested in the game again, and everyone goes out and buys their fucking manuals uh-huh. and all the shit, and then they you know. Start, I mean, you did that when we got home. Right. Well, yeah, I pulled mine out because I was like, yeah, I was like, man, I miss like I miss this game. And so, yeah, I mean, like it feels like anytime anyone does anything like this, that's kind of the goal. Right. They're trying to sell more of that thing. Um, even like the Sonic movie that came out, I was like, you're telling me like that like Sonic sales didn't boost after this, like the fucking Witcher TV show that came out, even the fucking Last of Us right now. I promise you there are people going and fucking buying those games. Oh, 100%. and I know this for a fact because fucking PlayStation 5 has the first game on fucking the like thing. Homepage. Yeah, for like <laughs> they have a PS5 updated graphics version of The Last of Us 1. But not of The Last of Us 2, and it's like fucking $40, even though the game's been out, and it's been free on like every fucking platform for years, and now that the fucking show's out, oh, now it's $40 again, and it's just, it's just like, money, money, yeah. money, 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 so, money. So, yeah, so like, I get what you're saying, like, oh, it would be great if, you know, it's like, oh, maybe this is where this goes, and I'm like, I actually don't think that. I think they're not going to give you more content, because what they want is for the content that you go to seek out, because you liked this movie, is what they fucking sell, which is you know, books and shit. So, so actual spoiler free talks about this movie. I know we went a lot into like this game and everything, but, um, the movie itself is actually pretty good. Um, I liked the tone that they went for, you know, it's not always trying to be funny, but when it is, it actually lands a lot of the time. Um, it's pretty well shot. I think that they definitely didn't have like, you know, like, like at times it felt like the CGI was, terrible like terrible terrible and then other times it was like oh this is great you know this is like you mm-hmm. know, kind of what you expect um 
but yeah, and and so like the consistency with that was wasn't really great. And I wonder if it had to do more with like a budget or if it had more to do with the time constraints. I don't know. There was a ton of marketing for this movie. So, you know, you right. know that they like this movie. And then, of course, they had a sneak peek, too. So the, like the movie, a lot of people have already seen it because they went to the sneak peek. Good. They listened to our episode. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. But the, I thought this movie was really, really well done. I liked it a lot. Um, and I think that I, you know, like, like I said, I went into it thinking that I was, it was might make me a little bit upset, but I think more than anything, you know, it, it was more nostalgic for me. And you know, that, you know, that's like, you know, really positive thing. It made me think about all the things that I loved about the game. And, um, you know, I, I didn't feel like it was too fan servicey at all. Um, but at the same time, I, I felt like they had a good balance of fan service and staying true to the game. Um, you know, where it didn't feel like it was things that were done were done for the purpose of fan service, but more done for the purpose of being, you know, accurate. I definitely agree on the CGI. It was very inconsistent. Um, early on, you were just like, oh, my God, uh, at one of the first CGI scenes. And then then sometimes it was like, damn, this looks fucking awesome. And then, like, there's a cameo that we'll get to and that CGI or you know, trickery of the camera or whatever you want to call it, what looked so fucking bad to me. Um, but yeah, uh, so a lot all over the place. Um, it, the movie is definitely a little, at least I felt it was a little overwhelming visually, like too much special effects going on in the whole movie that kind of made my head hurt a little bit. The humor was sprinkled in pretty well and it actually worked pretty well. Um, the graveyard scene was really funny to me. And then also the graveyard scene, this might be a spoiler alert for my favorite part of the movie. Cause I love that scene, not only because it's so funny, but because, uh, the way that they had like the dead people look and stuff looked fucking cool. It looked so Wait, they're dead. Oh, fucking spoilers. dude. <laughs> the oh people God. in the graveyard are dead. Fuck. And, uh, I don't know. It was really true. They looked like animatronic almost like it looked like a, yeah, look practical. Yeah, yeah just so it was like so it, yeah, cool. Their blend, the blend looked. of practical effects and, and visual effects was really well done in this movie. I mean, obviously, like the costume design is incredible. The pro- the props and you know all that stuff is like really really well put together. And then you know you combine that with some of the CGI. Um, I get what you're saying. Where like I, I like I could see how somebody would feel it's um, visually overwhelming. But, you know, as someone who's seen Endgame like four times, I think, you know, for me, it was pretty mild <laughs> visually. Yeah. Well, that uh, gave me so, I reached this point where I was feeling the same kind of headache as I was feeling during Ant-Man. So it's funny you bring up a Marvel movie because that's exactly like I was like, man, this is a lot of green screen and stuff going on. Um, but, yeah, uh, also really fucking cool to see Chris Pine back in his like goofy bag like after because last time we saw him was in um don't worry darling as an asshole rich guy and not that he did bad but i was just like man like because i i'm just like it's not fair to him because i think of i will always look at chris pine as his character in wet hot american summer uh the the series this like you know phantom rock star guy that's very goofy and very over the top and i think he's so good at comedic acting oh yeah so i get so excited to see him be funny and like charming and stuff again instead of like the bad guy so i think he's yeah one of the most like underrated you know like because you don't i wouldn't even call him a comedy actor i would just call him an actor yeah you know what i'm saying i think he's like his comedy is very underrated i think like ryan gosling is like kind of in that same vein where it's like 
He reminds me of Ryan Gosling a lot because they're both known for being very attractive first and then their acting ability second. And then like, yeah, you know, but then I had to tell people like, no, they're actually a really good actor. And like, and again, the same way I feel about Ryan Gosling, where I feel like when he does comedy, he does it really well and he can be really funny, uh-huh. you know, yeah. and then, but you don't get that as often. Um, and then, you know, same thing with Chris Pine that I, I think this role is like way more suited for him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So now we're going to go into spoiler talk. I cast a spoiler alert spell to protect all who don't want spoilers from any spoilers. All right, roll for wisdom. That's a nat one. Everyone dies. All right. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was all a dream. <laughs> it was all a dream and everyone died. <laughs> everyone died, but it was a dream, so no one died. <laughs> no, everyone was dead. This is a dream before the... It's a whole thing, dude. It's a whole thing. Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves is about a charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers who embark on an epic quest to retrieve a lost relic. But things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. You know, the trailer was a little bit misleading. um, because Because in the trailer, he says... We stole something and the and us stealing that thing is what leads leads to them being able to, you know, try and take over the world. And that's not really what happens. You know, like what they steal has nothing to do with well, you know, the, yeah. the plot. It's the act of doing it, but not what they stole. It's it, interesting you bring this up because there's also a line in the trailer that was not in the movie when he's like, uh, I think I triggered the mechanism. He actually never says that in the movie. He steps on the thing and then he's like, uh, I think I stepped on the uh, first part of the board. It's, uh, uh, I didn't know it started. Maybe that trailer was just cut too early or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I definitely, I feel like the trailer was cut too early. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like the, the, what the trailer said the movie was about was not as much as what the movie was actually about as I thought it was going to be. I mean, shit, uh, they didn't even finish the CGI in some of these scenes. <laughs> Honestly, I mean. yeah. Um, but yeah, I... What's what's interesting about this main character, which they all have stupid fucking made up bullshit names. Um, Welcome to Dungeons and Dragons. Um, So I'll probably be referring to most of the characters names as their their class. Um, And, you know, hey, there's going to be people who are going to be like, no, that's not that class. It's this class. And it's like, well, most of these characters are probably multi-class. And I've played multi-class heroes for years. And some of y'all bitch ass rookie bitches ain't never done no fucking multi-class. So y'all don't even know what that fucking is. Well, you skip over the fucking multi-class pages in the handbook every single time. I don't know how to do that. That's too complicated. Yeah, it is. I don't know what to tell you, man. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm built different. Literally. I would build my characters differently <laughs> than you build your characters. Um, but no, uh, this what's the over under on, uh, any of our female listeners who are still listening to this episode? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Look, I'm not gatekeeping, ones- you know, I don't want to make sure I'm not, I'm not gatekeeping because I know there's plenty of girls who play D and D, but I'm just saying, are, what's the Venn diagram of girls <laughs> listen to this podcast that also played D D. <laughs> um but yeah this this character uh this main character reminds me a lot of a character that i played 
um, because that character that I played was a multi-class bard and rogue. Um, and that's kind of what he is. You know, he's clearly a bard. You know, he plays the lute and he sings and he's charismatic and all that stuff. But, you know, he's also a thief and he hides and he tricks people and things like that. Even in the beginning of the movie where he's talking about being a good guy. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, like that was in the back of my mind. Like, you know, as the movie started, it started, I'm starting to like try and pick out the different characters and what classes they are. One of the things that they do in the beginning of this movie kind of like sets something up that they continue to do throughout the movie, which is quickly cutting in between two stories. And they actually do it really well. I think the editing on it makes it even better. And, it you know, it can be kind of humorous, but it also is like kind of a cliche joke in the beginning because he's like starting the story and then he keeps like cutting back and be like, well, uh, are we sure we're not we, like, you know, we don't want to wait for this guy because he's in prison and he's trying to like plead to the, you know, uh, parole board essentially about why he deserves a pardon. Um, and then he's waiting for one of a the pardon what continue, <laughs> continue. Uh, he is like waiting for some guy to be there. Like one of the you know, members of the board, Jonathan, Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, he keeps like telling the story. So he tells the story of his, you know, his background where basically he explains that he used to be a harper, which is, you know, a type of, uh, you know, clan or whatever, where, you know, they're heroes and they go and help people and they don't ask for anything in return, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, you know, as a harper, he made enemies with a red wizard and then the red wizard killed his wife. And uh, he still had, you know, he had a baby at the time when his wife died and then he focused on being a dad, but he turned his back on being a harper, which means he started becoming a thief and he kind of raised his daughter to be somewhat of a thief too, which isn't that great, but you know, it's not that bad either. Whatever. There's lots of thieves in D and D it's the whole thing. Um, and then, and in he gets this opportunity where he can go and steal from, you know, this, you know, uh, from the Harpers themselves. And they have this, you know, item that will bring back. I think it's like, I can't remember what they call it in the movie, like the some kind of tablet of reawakening. tablet of, of reawakening. I think is what it's called. Something yeah. like that. And it's just, you know, an item that will bring one person back to life. Period. And he's like, wake oh. me up, wake me up. And I can't wake up. Wake me up. Save me. <sighs> Say my name and bring me back to life. Oh, wait, why are you putting my mic down? Why are you putting my mic down? I wasn't. I wasn't doing that. And bring me back to life. Why are you putting <laughs> That was perfect. <laughs> so... He goes to go steal this thing and he gets trapped by the wizard who hired them to do the job in the first place. And they, you know, him and his barbarian friend, um, that's, you know, the class that she is, uh, they get captured and put in prison for two years. And so during that entire two years, his uh, one of the people that he was thieving with, you know, ran off and do this whole thing. So he's he's telling the parole board this story and he keeps cut. They keeps cutting back and forth between that story and him being standing there. And he keeps doing the thing. He's like, what? Are we sure we don't want to wait for Jonathan to be here first? Jonathan. And is it Jonathan with an R? Yeah. The whole time? Yeah. They didn't tell the is cast that. Is my mic back up, by the way? <laughs> or my headphones, I mean, or whatever. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you wanted that. Because <laughs> I was like, hello. Um, yeah, no, it's Jonathan. Jonathan. So eventually, you know, that character does show up at the end of their story, right? When they're making their decision. And this is like, honestly, a pretty funny joke. Like that joke was all right. You know, we've seen that done before. Um, and then 
they go and they make their decision and then Jonathan shows up, Jonathan, whatever his fucking name is, shows up and he's a big giant bird creature. So then him and the bard grab him and jump out of a window and then, you know, to save his own life, Jonathan has to fly and by flying he gets them far enough away from the prison where they can run away. And then, but like what's funny is like as they're jumping out of the window, they're like, we, we granted your pardon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, honestly, like the first like solid joke in the movie. Yeah, and it's early on too and like, like you said, this is a great introduction. Um, it really establishes the fast pace with how just quickly he talks, how fast the camera movements are, how they intercut between all these shots of his backstory, like very quickly, very fast, and then cut right back to the him. He's like, are, are you sure Jonathan is, you know, just like it's very, I, I just like the pace. I like how bouncy the dialogue is. Uh, it's It really establishes it early. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this, uh, you know, kind of gets into the actual story, <laughs> which for a minute, I was kind of worried that the entire movie was going to be him giving this story at the prison. I was too. Yeah, I was like, everything please. that happens in the movie is just him telling the story. Yeah. And, yeah, then, like, yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then it turns out Jonathan the whole time, like they got caught on purpose. And then Jonathan is the bad guy they're trying to defeat or what you know what I'm saying like yeah I don't know that was that that's what was kind of going through my head I'm glad that wasn't the case um what actually happens is you know he goes back home so when he uh went to prison his daughter started living with one of the people he used to thieve with um and that guy has since become the Lord of Neverwinter, which if you play D&D, you're familiar with Neverwinter. There's actually a D&D video game that's, I think, still free to play. It's free to play for a long time. If you have to pay for it now, that'd be wild. Um, but what, is, what is Neverwinter like climate-wise? Is it like, well, is it cold? Well, no, because it's, <laughs> well, it's never winter there, so... Um, but yeah, I mean, they even like, you know, they mentioned Boulder's Gate in here too. So yeah, there's there's some like very well-known... Uh, locations from D&D that are, you know, this this movie doesn't take place in a new made-up thing. It takes place in Neverwinter, which is what we're all kind of used to. Um, so, yeah, this guy becomes the Lord of Neverwinter, and during those two years he was, like, essentially raising this guy's daughter for him, which he says, like, he's like, you know, keep my daughter safe, and then he's like, I promise you I will. Um, now, the daughter... The daughter... The daughter is officially typecast. Yep. <laughs> as... A teenager who hates their dad. <laughs> so, yeah. And, yeah she's and, typecast as a girl who hates her dad for leaving her. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, that's who she played in 65. And now in this movie, she's like, I hate you because you left me. But also, I still love you, but I fucking hate you. <laughs> it's like, make up your goddamn mind. Anyways. So, yeah, that's who she plays in this one. Uh, when she when he comes back, he finds out that. You know, turns out this guy that he used to thieve with is a bad guy. You're telling <gasps> me this thief is what? a bad person. This, you know, character, she hates her dad because she's been being lied to by the Lord of Neverwinter. His name is Forge. Um, and he was actually a really great character, you know. And this guy, you know, he's probably like a rogue as well. He's very charismatic and he's, you know, a liar and a, a thief. And, you know, he's very, very obsessed with money and power and all these things. So, you know, his character, I think, also was really well done in terms of the balance of his, like, existence in the movie and his, like, comedic, you know, like, part of it. Um, just because, like, you know, like, you know, we talked about this, like, with the, um, like, the Marvel movies and, like, how they went to comedic and they just want to make jokes all the time. And it's like, okay, well, where, where do you draw the line? I think this movie is kind of it. Like, this movie 
balanced the necessity for dialogue, you know, the desire for comedy and the need for action really, really well, where I don't feel like any one thing overpowered the other and made it like overbearing. Do you feel the same way or do my, my, my boosting? I don't disagree. I think that, again, I just think that the speed and pace of what, of, of what they decided to do all at once was what made it work. But yeah, this Forge character, despite being an asshole who lied to the daughter and told her that he has, the dad was trying to get like, like he told her that the thing that he was trying to steal was uh, like a tome of power or something like that. And so like, she thinks that just money. It was just about money and that he let himself get arrested for two years and abandon her for money, which by the way, she is kind of acting like this dude was gone for 10 years. He's gone for two years. Right, right. That's not enough time to completely abandon your father and adopt another person as your father. Am I wrong about that? Especially when you know he's in prison. Yeah. It's I like, why, that's why aren't you writing him? Weird, too. But, yeah. Right. And it's like, even it's like, oh, well, he was going to go steal to get money. And she's like, well, why did you care more about money than me? It's like, well, isn't, like, providing for your family, like, the, the, you know, the motivator for money for a lot of people who have children? Like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, just to say, like, oh, you didn't care about me. You only cared about the money. Well, it's like, well, what do you think the money was for? Like, maybe he was thinking, even, like, that, I don't know. I guess in my head, I was like, even if the was, it was just, it was for money, which it wasn't. It, you know, she, he's, she's being lied to. Even if it was for money, then maybe the reason he wanted to go get that money was so that you guys could just go live the rest of your life without having to worry about money and have to go steal and shit like that ever again. Ever. You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 I don't know. It's just like, (laughs) it's just her response to be like, oh, it was for money. Well, then fuck him. Not my dad anymore. Like, Jesus Christ, that is like so harsh. Like, like if, if that's the worst thing that he's done, if that's the worst, like, I don't know. I don't know. And again, yes, he got, you know, went sent to prison. He was in prison for two years. I mean, that like you're already like, but by the time he's getting arrested, you're already like 14. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you have spent enough of your life with this guy that you would not abandon him as your father and adopt a new person as your father figure in your life. And just make that decision forever from two years of him being gone. And again, you're not communicating with him at all. You're not writing him a single letter. You know what I'm saying? Like nothing. Come on, bro. A little bit. Uh, I kind of disagree with you just because I have personal experience of having someone alienate me from someone else. And when you're young enough, it it doesn't matter. You just you're very easily impressionable and you can be persuaded to think anything essentially. Not me. I'm built different. Okay, so, uh, and then this the Forge character, I think, yeah, like I said, I think his character was very funny at moments. And, um, you know, he's partnering with this very powerful wizard. And, you know, it's, it's revealed a little bit later that she's a red wizard, which is another reference to the game. Anybody who played the game, as soon as she's revealed to be like, honestly, I, that was kind of my theory the whole time. But as soon as she's like revealed officially to be a red wizard, you're like, yeah, like red wizards are bad. They're... Uh, they always have been. All of them are it's like a known thing. Like a red wizard is a very powerful, very bad, very evil wizard. So, you know, this wizard is like, you know, telling like like they're going to send them back to prison because they broke out instead of just leaving on the pardon. So they have a, a warrant out for them. She tells the guard who's supposed to take them back to prison to just kill them. And then they escape. So now like that, like. I guess, it, you know, it is act one, but it doesn't really feel like act one. It feels more like a like a like a prelude. 
right? And you can still get pregnant from prelude. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a me joke. Oh my god. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm close to nut, man. The nut is near. Um, and so act two, or what feels like the official first act, um, you know, is is the part of the hero's journey where the hero has to get all this. This story follows the hero's journey almost to a T as well, where he has to get all of his, his people back together. I think so, it follows it to a coffee. So now we're going to go and we're going to find the the sorcerer uh, for this journey. Right. And then they go and they find him. And it's Justice Smith, who, you know, he's been in a bunch of stuff, too. And um, he's been in a lot of adapted screenplays from young adult novels. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, he, you know, he plays the sorcerer in this movie. I think he also did a really good job. I think that his acting, you know, was very, um, you know, it, it's like he, he feels like he plays a very similar character in everything. And this one, it was like, you know, he was like, his age was ambiguous, I guess. Like I was like, I couldn't tell if he was supposed to be a teenager. I feel like he's one of those guys who will always look like a teenager. Like, that's true. You know what I'm saying? So like, I, I don't know, but I, cause in my head, I was like, why is this thief like hanging out with this damn teenager? I was like, Hey, you know, it's D and D it's whatever, you know, all these, yeah, none because of these the characters girl, should be spending any time. Yeah. With each other. I think that part of it is that the girl that he's crushing on looks significantly younger than him, at least in my, and I mean, to me. Um, so it made me, I was like, but at the same time, he only looks like he's like, he looks so young. But she just looks even younger. Yeah. So it like, just made me question even further, like, how old are these people? But it's yeah. like he like I would believe him as both a an 18 year old and a 19 or and, and a like a 29 year old. But she is only believable as, you know, ages 15 to 18. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, so like, I get what you're saying. And I'm just saying. I don't know if you're allowed to do that. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but no, I guess I, I, I don't know. It's a very, very mild uh, part of the, the their like dynamic, too. Yeah, because it's just soon, there for jokes. As soon as you start talking about it and the concept of D&D, it's like, well, some races can be 100 right. years old and yeah. they're really 15. Like, whatever. OK, so they go and they find him and they have this whole scene where he's like casting all these spells, um, which that scene was pretty funny, too, because of like he's on stage doing a show and all the spells that he's casting are like you know, so, so spells the smell of grass. That was a good bit. Um, you know, he makes himself slightly blurry and that was actually one of my favorite lines in the movie where he goes, you know, anybody can be really blurry, but you know, it takes a special, special kind of magic to be slightly blurry. <laughs> and so I was like, yeah, that seems like, like something that, uh, a bit that Dan Ormo would do. I feel like, so yeah, they have this whole sequence of getting him on board and they're like, Hey, you're going to help us with our mission. So now the new mission, um, has become that they realize that uh, Forge is bringing back these things called like the 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 challenge the games the games we'll just say the games yeah I think that's what they just keep calling it the just people fighting in a pit yeah and it's shit just like that. the games are just, just barbaric shit yeah it's barbaric shit it's it's like a rip off of the Maze Runner and Hunger Games and the actual Coliseum and all that other shit so um, he's bringing that back and so he's bringing around all of the wealthiest people from around and they're all gonna go bet on the games and so they're all gonna bring all of their money into one place well in order to stay rich and powerful you have to be rich and so uh, their plan is to go and rob him if they steal his money then he won't have power anymore and then he'll you know won't be able to you know hold the daughter captive or whatever at this point so as of right now that's all we know about you know these these you know the the the, the goal of the movie um and that's part of what i liked about this story like as the story progresses the goal of the movie becomes 
different. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like more and more like things get thrown into it and it becomes a very much like a regular D and D campaign where it's like, okay, well our goal originally was to go from a point A to point B. But when we got to point B, we realized that we really need to get to, you know, point B a in order to get back to point B and then go from B to C. And then I, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it, it has those, those things, which is part of what made it feel like a mini series, right? It, it felt like each quest to get to the next quest felt like another episode Could of another an episode, show. Yeah. yeah, very true. So the sorcerer is saying like, you know, the best thing to do is go find a, a druid essentially. Um, and I can't remember what they call it in the movie because it's not like what I'm used to calling it. It's like, okay, I know a druid and I know that they can cast animal shape or wild shape. Um, you know, you, you know, I've heard it both ways. But whatever they call it in the movie, they, they like figure it out. Figure out what they call it. No, instead of they, Hold on, let me think about it for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do this to me. <laughs> I'm not going to try to erase my brain of what I've been calling it for fucking 10 years to call it whatever they fucking called it in the movie, because they don't call anybody in the movie by their class. They don't call this person a druid. They call her a like beast shaper or something like that. I can't fucking remember what they say, but that's what they like. That's how they refer to her magic is she's a wild shaper. She's an animal shaper, a beast beast shape or something like that. It's like, okay, well, you know, like, yeah, I know what you're really saying. You're you're saying she's a a druid. And of course, you know, I'm sure D&D fans are going to be like, well, that's not really how druids work. Yeah, it's not. And they made up a whole new name for this type of person um, and the type of magic that she does. But basically, she can transform into all kinds of different creatures, you know, bugs, insects, animals. And she can do them, you know, instantly and multiple times in a row and be different one animal to the next. And like all this different stuff. So, yeah, she's basically a glorified... um, fucking beast boy from <laughs> teen titans uh glorified i guess less glorified i guess beast beast boy is more capable than she is anyways um so yeah they go to go find her and you know she's a tiefling it's very obvious you know when you first see her because she has the horns and then she also has the ears you know she says that she was raised by humans and then adopted by uh wood elves because they um and just based on her clothing i could tell that she was going to be a wood elf too so this character, uh, you know, she is, you know, one of these people, she doesn't like humans. And apparently all of the like wood elves in their community have been being uh, discriminated against and being targeted by Forge ever since he became the Lord of Neverwinter. And so, OK, there you go. There's her motivation. And that, and she kind of like she has the worst exposition in the movie, I think, like the way that she she's the one who does the, you know, hey, you know, this is what's been going on with me in my life. and. This is what's been happening to us lately. And that is my motivation. And that is my backstory to why I'm doing everything that I'm doing. Yeah, they even give her these little shots of her, like, looking out of the wind, like, the window. Yeah. And I was waiting for her to turn back and be like, do you ever wonder what it's like? Yeah, do you ever wonder what it's like? You know, out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, even though the main character does his entire backstory as, as the opening of the movie, that was still more well done in terms of exposition. And the way that they did the pacing and the cutting back and forth and stuff like that than hers. Hers is literally just dialogue. This is what happened to me. You know, and it's like, okay. And, you know, end of end of her, you know, character. Well, now she's on board. All right. What they decide to do is, that, you know, again, this movie is very fast paced. So the next sequence is this, you know, 
druid who turns herself into a fly to fly and do like reconnaissance in uh, the castle. And basically the most important thing that they find out is that they find out where the vault is going to be, where all the rich people are going to store their money and what it's being protected by. And it's being protected by, oh, wouldn't you guess it? Magic. And they even magic. like they make fun of the magic like in this movie the way that like Daniel makes fun of magic in most like everything. And I actually thought it was kind of refreshing. Like it was like I think it was a positive thing that they poked fun at themselves for like what they do in in D and D and in fantasy in general. Um, because you know they have this whole sequence where she you know turns in all the different animals and everything and gets out of the castle. And so you know she's telling them like oh it's protected by this whatever. And the sorcerer's like. Oh man, that's you know a really powerful spell. Like you know we're fucked. We you know we're not gonna be able to do anything. And you know the the barbarian is like, well, just do it. We'll fix it with magic. He's like, I keep trying to tell you guys, it's not how magic works. Oh, <laughs> it's like you can't just do everything with magic. And they're like, why not? And they like they even like poke fun like because you know they keep saying just do everything with magic to him. And then as they're like leaving the bar, they're like, yeah, have fun with the bill, pay it with magic. <laughs> why are you guys bullying me? <laughs> You can't change the rules just because you don't like how I'm doing it. Well, yeah, yeah. It's it's what I alluded to earlier about I'm not into fantasy. I'm not into magic. I don't like Harry Potter. Like, that's a big thing that everyone I've ever met in the entire world likes Harry Potter. You know, basically what ends up happening is they they realize that the only way to get through this magic is to get this special item. Um, it's a helmet that can reveal all, you know, charms and, and, you know, disillusion every single, you know, charm that's in the area. So the way that they have to get this information about where this helmet is, is they have to go to the grave sites of the soldiers who fought in the war over this helmet. Yeah. The part, the graveyard scene was my favorite scene in the movie. I, I, uh, it's it's cool as a concept. Um, <laughs> I just there was so much comedy in this scene, man. Because essentially they are they have to figure out where this helmet is, and they're like, "Oh, there's this spell that'll allow you to bring someone back to life for five questions, and then after five questions, they'll return back to their death." And so they essentially have to interrogate a bunch of people that are dead that should know where this helmet is that can, uh, what is it just like disarm spells or whatever. And so there's a bunch of comedy that happens with this. Cause the first, the very first one that they resurrect, they are asking questions while in conversation with each other. And the dead body is taking that as him being asked a question. So they waste all five of their questions on him and he's like, all right, and he's dead. Yeah. It's like, it was just very funny. The scene was in the trailer and it was still really funny watching it in the theater. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, then you get some more comedy from just the way that the acting is and how the line deliveries are from some of these, you know, zombies, whatever you want to call them. But you also get some extra comedy from showing their death scenes, which I thought was funny. Like they, one of them's like, here, take this helmet. I got to go. And he gets stabbed in the back of the head. And another one's like, here, take this helmet. I got to go. And they get stabbed, you know, cut in half. And then they ask one body like, Hey, what happened? They said that they gave the helmet to you and it shows him dying because he just gets out of the bath and slips, falls, hits his head and dies. And they're like, wait, and then you went to the war, right? And he's like, no, I never even got to the war. I died because I fell out of the bathtub. And they're like, aren't you so-and-so? And he's like, no, that's my brother. Like, you know, so it's just like it brings up so much comedy. And it's also like I had mentioned earlier, like the, the way that these skeletons or zombies, whatever you want to call them, looked was really cool. Um, there's a couple of things in this movie that I thought looked really cool, including the uh, the evil 
overlord that's like kind of controlling and motivating the red a witch or whatever her name is. Oh yeah, because he, he looked he, fucking creepy in this. Movie. He's only shown in one little scene, and, and it's him talking to her, and he's just like completely shrouded in darkness, except for yeah. the slightest hint of color in his eyes and lips, and so you can see his mouth moving. It really, really well. It's like it's unnerving. Like, it's honestly, it's kind of cocaine bear esque, like the way the cocaine bear comes out of the the shadows in that in the ambulance scene. So. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that like that guy did look cool. But no, I, I get what you're saying. Like these guys, like they look almost like like uh, like they look completely practical. Um, I'm not saying that they are. I'm just saying that's what they look like. Um, yeah, it's you know, really they, well done. They look animatronic. They and it kind of like it reminds me of like like the crypt the crypt keeper oh, yeah, and shit yeah. like that. You know, what I'm like, I yeah. get that. Um, yeah, so it was it was visually interesting funny like you know i just had everything that i'm looking for in a fun blockbuster movie like this yeah and the way that that they so much did the intro cutting back to you know his backstory all the time like this felt so natural in this movie like the way that he you know i'm saying like he the you know like it cuts to the story of you know it shows the battle and all that stuff. yeah each of their stories yeah um, but yeah, this ultimately leads to uh, them kind of going down this trail of different people's stories and connecting these threads until eventually um, someone finally is like, yeah, I had it and I was dying and I held on to it. And then some s- gorgeous ass man, <laughs> whoever this guy is, is hot as fuck. Um, but uh, yeah, he's uh, I, this is where you might have to take over because he is he's a certain class or something. And that's what brings some conflict i don't know no he he is i was a, a little lost by this yeah i don't even remember what he's called either because it didn't sound familiar to me um i haven't played every single D campaign so maybe i'm just yeah. missing that information something like than or yeah thane or thane yeah yeah something like that and um yeah so this guy you know you know he's like a, <laughs> he's a type of person who's known as being like a bad guy and of course the main character is like fuck this guy i hate these guys because they have, you know, they're associated with red wizards. And then, you know, now this guy's also associated with the Harpers and he's, the, you know, he can't be a Harper anymore. So it's like, he has lots of reasons to not like this guy. Um, and this guy, you know, is supposed to be very powerful in a lot of ways, uh, in, in which he is, but he also, you know, provides a lot of exposition. So when they finally meet this guy, he's like, Hey, you know, this is what happened a long time ago with the red wizards. Um, you know, this, there's this one guy who had this magical item, which again, based on the trailer, it seemed like this magical item was going to be a much bigger part of the story and that it was going to be like, that was going to be something related to what they stole or whatever, but it wasn't in this movie. Like the girl just has it the whole time. But anyways, so he tells you all about the Red Wizards and how there's a guy who commit, who did a coup and he took over and, and turned all of the people in, you know, the tower, the place that they were in um, into, you know, his undead army. And that, you know, this scene was dope, too. Yeah. This scene was cool as fuck. So this was like I the, loved the uh, red cloud of like, right. That shit looked dope. And especially with everything coming from the sky into this little cauldron or whatever it is he's holding. It looked so cool. It looked like a music video or for a doom metal band or something like right. super, super sick. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it was like the thing about this scene is like, remember when we were saying earlier about the CGI being in- inconsistent? Well, like in the opening you know, sequence, there's a point where this wizard casts like a lightning spell and it, the shit looks like fucking lightning bolt 2002 
CGI. Like it yeah, was like yeah. dog shit CGI. And then you have this scene where everything in this scene is CGI. Like half of the people in this scene are CGI. The tower that they're on is CGI. The person holding the fucking thing floating in the air is CGI. This is a completely computer generated image in, t- in its entirety. Like this, like, you know what I'm saying? So like, and it looked incredible. Like you didn't question it. It was as believable as the fucking Marvel shit that they do. So it's like, this CGI was insane. And like you said, like this looked really cool. Like, and again, we, because we've established that when we talk about things that happened in the past, we show the scene. It didn't feel out of place either to show all this, even though it's like a new story, you know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, but you get like the, all this context. Um, and that's, you know, part of where this guy, you know, the, this, you know, powerful being like what he's, you know, he's dealing with. Um, and so, yeah, basically he's just like, it, like at the end of it, the fucking main character says kind of what I was thinking too. And like, oh, I think a lot of people were, he's like, yeah, we get it. Red wizard's bad. That's always been the, like, we never thought they weren't dude, or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, still it, it gave good context to the rest of the movie as well. And it also like maybe, oh, okay. Like, like you understand what the motivations are of the bad guys a little bit more now too. But the big takeaway from this story is that, uh, this character, this, and again, not only was I confused because of like how many he's Harper and Thane and, but also his actual name was like Zan, Zantane, you know, something insane. So I don't know. He's the hot guy though. He's the hot guy uh, who doesn't understand sarcasm and, or colloquialisms as he likes to say. Um, he was like touched by the dead as that was happening, but he got away. So he has a, like their marking on his head and he has some, you know, pretty cool powers and he knows everybody in that he's, you know, he's kind of like, Oh, cousin Joey <laughs> to like some of the red wizards weirdly, but it kind of just gives some explanation to, Oh, okay. So this is why he's so powerful and he can do so many things. Yeah. But it also gave context as to why, like, yeah, he was from that place and he is associated with red wizards, but he's not a bad guy. Right. You know, cause that's the thing is that everyone goes through their stories of, all the cool shit he's done in the past and why he's, he's cool. What, what's cool about this scene is he kind of, he, again, this, the, our main character is kind of suspicious of this guy because of where he's from and yada, yada. And it's clear that this guy is actually a good guy, but he's still just not buying in. He's just like, fuck, I don't give a fuck, fuck this guy. And he's like, Hey man, if you, if you succeed in this mission, I need you to promise me that you'll give all that money back to the people. Of ne- Winterfell, what is it? <laughs> Neverwinter. Neverwinter. <laughs> Give that money to back to the people of Neverwinter, and uh, the main character is like, okay, sure. You know, it's just kind of hap have. What's the word? Haphazardly, haphazardly. Um, you know, obviously doesn't care that much, and he swears to it. But the the guy's like, no, 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 I'm not doing shit for you unless you promise. You gotta give. So he's like, all right, sure. Um, and another important part of this too, is we finally get to see, so, uh, Olga or Holga's character has been talking about her husband a lot in her, her ex-husband. And we actually get to meet him before they go on this journey to find this helmet with Mr. Nice guy, Mr. Hot guy. Yeah. I think it was actually like right before the, the graveyard scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And, um, this is where we get a little celebrity cameo because, uh, and a kind of a funny one, just visually, because uh, Holga's ex-husband is a tiny, <laughs> tiny little man. He's a halfling. He's a halfling, and it's played by Bradley, Bradley Cooper. Cooper. 
Yep. Which was a very interesting case. I did not expect yeah. that at all. And for, then this for was... For those who don't know what a halfling is, they're essentially D&D's version of a hobbit. There you go. Um, but yeah, uh, this was one of the like kind of special effects that looked really bad to me. I didn't like how it looked, them doing this camera trickery and special effects to make him look tiny and small. Um, it just looked really bad to me visually, personally. Um, but yeah. You know, she's like, oh, well, I'm really just here to pick up my stuff. And, you know, she gets a couple of things from him, which one of them actually comes into play later in the movie. Um, but I think that what's funny about that scene is it's, it's almost like it, they they do the the right thing to do for good comedy, which is they do something absurd, but then they play it serious so that it is funny. You know, like like no one no one makes the joke. That, you know, she's big, he's small. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. funny because it is, you know, like no one yeah. has to say it. And even uh, his new wife now is yeah, massive. Bigger and, than she is. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, 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 was, it was a funny scene. It was a good little cameo. Um, but yeah, you're right. The CGI does look horrible. You can definitely tell that they were like, okay, you know, we're, we spent more on Bradley Cooper than we did on the CGI for Bradley <laughs> Maybe, Cooper. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a funny scene. Um, but yeah, so basically, you know, this this, you know, Thane guy is going to take the whole crew down to a, the one and only dungeon in this movie. And in the dungeon, you know, they have a couple of jokes here and there. This is a lot of CGI, a lot of, you know, action pack yeah. sequence. This was where I started to feel that Ant-Man headache. I, I literally, when you said that, I yeah. was like, this is what he's talking about. I knew that this scene was what you were talking about. Um, yeah, just because, like, the entire setting is, like, you know, 99% CGI. Like, it, it, to the degree of, like, they're standing on a bridge or whatever at some point. I'm like, there's no way they built a bridge on a green screen set. They built green stairs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, that to that degree. Um, but yeah, there's like, you know, this is where you get the moment where he's, they do like one of the better jokes of the, the movie where he's explaining how to get across the bridge. He's like, so what you want to do is you want to stand in the middle and then we're going to move into only odd numbered, uh, you know, yeah. things. And then we're going to switch halfway through and then blah, blah, blah. And all this stuff. It's the classic bit of it's simple. And then something very complicated and convoluted. <laughs> and then as he's saying all this stuff, the, you know, sorcerer steps on a stone and destroys the entire bridge. It's like, oh, well, whatever. But then we get an extremely important part of the rest of the movie, which is the walk. She, she gets a walking stick that she got for her husband. Um, and it's like, you know, a little staff, her little hubby, her little hubby. <laughs> and it turns out that it's a, you know, a portal stick. This like the funniest thing about like this, this stick is obviously, you know, it's like a, it's a really big part of the plot. It's not it doesn't act as a deus ex machina, even though, you know, it. It, you know, when it first comes in, it is, but it, you know, for the rest of the movie, it's not. Um, but what I thought was funny about it, and I, I literally said this to Daniel. So this is a stick that has over a 500 uh, yard range of, uh, you know, castability, and it will cast a portal. You, it's a hither thither, you know, stick is, you know, hither, and then you cast it somewhere else, thither. And I was like. Yeah, no DM I've ever fucking played with would ever, ever give my party an item like this. I was like, no fucking way. This thing is, oh, this is a game breaking OP level of, because it's like, you put that into the hands of people who go into a situation where they intentionally role play and improvise every single week for hours and hours. And you don't think they're going to come up with extremely creative ways to cheat using this fucking portal thing? Hell no. Nevertheless, it does play a huge role in the rest of the thing. And then you get this really cool action sequence right as they're leaving where we see the one and only dragon. Here's something cool and interesting that they did that I've never seen done in any fantasy thing. They made the dragon fat. Yeah, I actually really like this. 
This was so funny. There's a super fat, like obese dragon. Yeah. Yeah. He can't, he can't even fly or yeah. breathe fire breath he's, anymore. Yeah. He struggles to fly out. That was such yeah. a funny visual. I just can't wait to grab a screenshot of that and post it and say the whale 2020. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's the, the, I'm like, I'm like, I, in my head, I'm like, I don't remember any fantasy thing doing this bit, doing a dragon yeah. Who got to a lair and actually successfully stayed there without anyone coming in and slaying them or stealing their gold. And they just ate and ate and ate <laughs> until they got fucking fat as shit because they're not flying anywhere. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? It's like, like no one's done this it before. It actually makes sense. It actually tracks. You know yeah. what I mean? It's so. like, yeah, animals can get fat too. Yeah. You know? And it is funny. Yeah, it was so funny visually. Um it, like it didn't yeah. take away from the action either. It, Not like, at all. It, it was still tense. Yeah, exactly. Because the dragon is still powerful. He's still because what happens like right before this is you know this Thane guy gets in like this sword fight with all these uh, red wizard assassins, and then you know he goes through and blah, blah 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 and kills all of them. You know he just hits a fucking nat twenty on every single thing that he does, and then uh, you know the they all come back to life because you know they're undead and so the dragon comes out and he just fucking starts eating them so it's like okay he's still a threat he's still dangerous if you get near him and he eats you you're fucking done for um and then you know he gets them trapped in this little space and the like part of like the joke that happens early in the movie with the the druid and the bard the they have this joke earlier in the movie where the druid questions what he does in the group because he's not a good fighter and he's not magical at all and he's like well i come up with plans and you know she's like well you already came up with the plan so what do we do now he's like well then if that plan fails then i come up with another plan she says well if you have plans that why do you have plans that fail he's like i don't and so yeah it's like okay what is his value well you know it kind of this is where you get to see it like they are trapped in a situation where they need someone with a high intelligence to come up with an idea you know high high intelligence high perception um you know saying who can come up with a plan to get them out of there and he does and that's that's how they survive so it's like okay there you go there's his value you know um and so yeah they they end up getting out of there and the guy gives them the uh the helmet um and then you know, he's like, all right, deuces, like the most powerful character in the group so far. I'm Audi Fight Audi. And he, they're like, you're not going to come. He's like, nah, this is not my journey. This is your journey. Like, all right, we get it, NPC. Get the fuck out of here. Anyways, you were only here for level two. And, you know, it's. Yeah. Was there was there more to that joke of him walking in a straight line than just that or no? No. OK. I didn't know if that was some sort of reference to like the game board or whatever. No, I mean you don't even have to play D anD D with a with a, a game board or a map or the sorcerer. You know, gets the helmet and he has to attune with the helmet, and then you get another really cool CGI sequence that I thought you know played really well and it was very dramatic of him, you know, trying to attune with this with this helmet, um, and yeah, basically you know it's just like he sees like this vision of of what he believes to be his his great great grandfather or whatever who was a very powerful sorcerer or wizard and um you know he's like telling him like you're not good enough and you you know you don't deserve to uh, have this helmet or tune with it or whatever and he um you know knocks it off of his head and so it becomes part of this plot where he told the main guy like early on, he's like, Hey, I don't, I'm when I, even if we get this helmet, I'm not going to be able to attune with it. So there's no point. And then he tries for, you know, the entire time that they have left and he can't do it. So they have to come up with another plan, you know, and they, okay, here we go. Here's plan B. And then like, you get some like emotional moment where the biggest like thing that you find out is that the reason why the red wizards were able to kill his wife is because he stole treasure from them and they mark their treasure with magic. So they, he led them right to his house. 
they have to come up with this other plan. I think this other plan is actually kind of badass. And this feels the most like this is pure heist movie sequence here. So the, the, the new plan is essentially to just put a portal hole onto a piece of treasure put that piece of treasure into the hole and then they'll be able to put the hole, the other hole somewhere else and then get into the vault. Now what ends up happening is that the, they put it on a framed painting and then when the thing gets there, the painting falls over onto the ground. So they can't go through it because you know, it's laying flat on the ground. Um, and then the team ends up getting split up and they, you know, it's revealed that they knew that they were coming the whole time. But the most important thing that's revealed is that, the druid is able to actually get into the vault through the portal because she chips away enough and she turns herself into a worm or whatever and gets into it. The other guys, they end up having to force the guy to attune with the freaking helmet and then go into the other vault. The actual vault that they saw was a, a trap the whole time. The other girl got into the actual vault where it's revealed that they're loading up all of this fucking treasure onto a ship and, you know, this guy, Forge, is probably going, it's, it's, you know, he's robbing everyone. He's robbing all of these rich people from all over the lands. And he said, bring all the money and all of the riches that you could ever think of and bet as much money as you want on the games. And then, you know, he's going to steal all of it. I'm like, okay, well, that's actually. I didn't do fucking shit. I didn't rig shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's, I think this is a genius plan by him though. Like in my head, like I was like, you know what? Well, yeah, he's a, he's a thief through, through and through throughout the whole movie. Like he always has something else planned like than what he says. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. And he's a funny character. I mean, I, I, I he, Hugh Grant is, was good in this movie. He was a good actor in this movie. Yeah. It's like, it's like, even though he's silly, he's not stupid. This is a yeah. good plan. Yeah. And he's he smart. almost fucking like. Yeah, he almost won. Uh, but yeah, and so as soon as this happened, like I even leaned over to Dan and I was like, oh, that red wizard that he partnered with is going to is gonna do the thing again. What the they, red cloud. The, yeah, the, the red, red cloud that turns cloud. everyone into a, a, a you know undead army person, which is like, if your goal is to take over everything, you know, what do you, like, who is this army fighting? Like, let's say you win, right? You, you turn everyone in the whole world uh, who isn't you and your wizards into an undead army? Great. What who, what is that undead army fighting? What do you need an army for at this point? Anyway, just to hang out. Just they're forcing people to hang out with them because they're so ugly and freaky looking. That's what I'm saying. Like, what's what's the <laughs> end goal? How do you, how what like what is the benefit? They the, she, of she's rolling gonna, a world of undead. She's going to turn this whole coliseum of people into undead, and they're all going to be like, Ugh! and then she's going to be like, all right. Um, do you want to grab brunch tomorrow? You have to say yes. <laughs> you have to say yes. You have to say yes. You have to say yes. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so as soon as they, they realize this, I'm like, oh, okay, they've gathered everyone from Neverwinter into this Coliseum. Yeah, she's definitely going to be doing the thing that they did earlier. But the last time they gathered everyone into a Coliseum. So, yeah. But then, you know, the characters are thrown into the actual games. And this like this felt like the most like at this point, like I feel like I can hear like someone narrating this movie in my head. You kind of feel like the same way. Uh, what do you mean by that? Like this, like this scene, like felt the most like I can hear like, you know, the oh, DM like asking like, hey, I what see. do you do next? And yeah, then, you yeah. know, like I can hear like I can just like I felt the most like this was like a role for this type of moment. Especially when everyone's opening up these treasure chests in the maze and they're getting weapons. And then Holga is like, oh, tight chest. And she's the one that can do the most damage with the weapon. So it's like, oh, nice. She's about to get 
a weapon and start fucking people up. But she opens the chest and it's just a crazy fucking. It's a mimic trying to eat her. So it's like that's clearly like a low a fucking one or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, I knew that that like obviously the mimic is in the trailer, but mimics are like one of the most famous. And mimics are actually one of the most famous and recognized D and D D and D. Not characters. Not characters. Creatures. Creatures, I would say. Guys, because I'm mimicking you. That's funny. That's comedy. Laugh. (laughs) (laughs) They get it. So I knew that that was going to be in this movie. Um, and the other thing, yeah, this this scene was the most fan service too, which I think is probably why it felt the most like reminiscent of the game because they also have the gelatinous cube. You know, it's another really famous thing that everyone's going to come into contact with, and it's very, you know, it's you so funny that tied like, to D and D. That's so weird that this is all real shit. Like, like you you it, didn't know which things were made. Oh out, which yeah, you were know how we you know we joke about like oh the hoobie floobies go to the gongard. Like, I'm just like, that's what I was thinking the whole time. I was just like, okay, it's just a bunch of made up shit. But you're like, okay, well, there's a gelatin cube. Like, what the fuck? That's real. That's yeah, so, gelatinous cube. That's and so you, weird to me. They're very slow moving. Um, but if you get trapped in one, you're, you're dead. They will digest you in, in minutes and just com- like their insides are just complete acid. And they'll disintegrate. Stinky. <laughs> probably, yeah. <laughs> they probably are stinky too. Um, oh my yeah. God. He made it. <laughs> I'm only going to talk to you through soundboard now. <laughs> uh, Timothy, we love you. We miss you. <laughs> I'm not stupid. I'm smarter than you. I knew gelatinous cubes were a real thing. So, yeah, the good guys, they get out of the, the challenge and then they are, you know, one of them's able to actually get their anti-magic bracelet off um, and then they go to the boat. And then when they get to the boat, the little girl is there and then she's like, I'm not coming with you because you're bad and I'm here with my uncle Forge. And then uh, when they're like about to leave, Forge pulls out a knife and threatens to kill the girl if they don't you know <laughs> give him everything he wants. And she's like, oh, I guess he is bad the whole time. And then she just completely switches it up entirely. And I'm like, girl, you are just you are changing your father figure <laughs> just at will. You- your family hates you. Only I love you. But yeah, that, that's what he tells her throughout the whole movie. Forge, that's what Forge <laughs> is explaining her all throughout the movie. Uh you know, they get away with the boat and then they realize, oh, no, now the Red Wizard is actually attacking everyone in the town. So he decides to do what he said he was going to do and give the riches back to the people. He they cast a uh, portal from inside of the boat that has all the riches in it. That is just a hole in the bottom. And then the other end of the portal is on the blimp that is or the hot air balloon that is flying around town. So this is causing this hot air balloon to lead a trail of treasure away from the Coliseum. So just as the Red uh, Wizard is you know, casting this red mist of you know, darkness onto the Coliseum, all of the people have already left because they all went to go start chasing this uh, treasure. So then we get the, the final fight scene between the, the main characters and the, and the Red Wizard. So this fight scene, you know, it's, it's really cool. You know, they all get to show off like all of their capabilities. The fighter gets, to, you know, the, the barbarian, the fighter, whatever gets to fight. You know, the druid gets to change shapes. The sorcerer fights the, you know, uh, the dark wizard with magic and, you know, the bard gets to come up with a clever plan. And so the, uh, and this felt like the most, like, as far as all the combat scenes, this felt the most like my turn roll, my turn roll, my turn. That's roll. true too. Like they each went one by one by one, different, 
strategies and attacks and stuff. Yeah. I really like that scene. Yeah. It's like not until like the very end of the fight that they finally all attack the wizard at the same time. And then they're actually able to get some good shots in or whatever. And then so at the beginning of the movie, the way that the wizard captures everybody is she casts a... Um, a time stop and the sorcerer is not able to counter it. And so she does that again. And the sorcerer's like, I can't stop it. She's too powerful, whatever. Um, and then she's like, okay, I'm done with this shit. You guys suck ass. And then like, whatever. And then, uh, yeah, the, the classic villain doing a speech before killing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hesitation, whatever. <laughs> and then all of a sudden she gets, uh, the little girl who has a necklace that makes her invisible, by the way, which very useful for the rest of the crew to have at some point, but she gets to keep it all the time. For yeah, reason. yeah. She's I like, like that too. She goes, I sneak around the castle with it. I'm like, why do you have to sneak? Don't you live there? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine me putting on an invisibility cloak to go get a fucking midnight snack in my kitchen. Like, what the fuck, bro? Anyways, so, uh, yeah, so she shows up and she has one of the bracelets, the, the, the magic suppression bracelets that they were giving to the contestants of the games and puts it on the dark wizard and every it's revealed that everyone was pretending to be frozen in time and that the the sorcerer actually did counter the spell this time um, in order to trick her and whatever and then we get a you know essentially a copycat of the first avengers movie where at the end the druid turns into a giant uh owl bear owl bear um and Cocaine bear, owl bear, owl bear, yeah. and just fucking decimates this red wizard and just slams her into the ground like over and over again. And it's like, yeah, the scene was like, like everyone in the theater like literally started clapping at this scene and like because of the brutality and like it was also funny. But at the same time, I, in the back of my head, I was like, yeah, this is this is exactly what they did in Avengers, like pretty much the exact same thing. What ends up happening is uh, the barbarian character gets stabbed in the chest uh, by a red wizard's blade, which is the same thing that killed the guy's wife, which is why he wanted the little thing that brings people back to life. And then they have this whole sequence where they show all the shots of, you know, his daughter and how really his daughter grew up with this girl in her life way more than ever. She ever did. You know, she never knew her mom. She was a baby when she, when the mom died and they decided to use the little thing on resurrecting the barbarian instead of the mom. That's right. Which we all kind of saw coming. You saw it coming. You saw it coming from, a long time ago, um, it was solidified, at least in my mind, when it, when the main character has a little flashback memory and she's like, you need to let go. And talking about the uh, dragonfly, I'm like, oh, so he's not going to actually resurrect her. Like, I knew that, at least. I was yeah. like, he's not actually going to res- resurrect his wife at any point. Right. We knew that he wasn't going to get that. Like, yeah. that is just like such an out there thing that no character would ever get to it have It would have been hilarious movie. if they did, though. Like... <laughs> Because, you know, like in this scene, like they're setting it up, like the the kid, his daughter is just like, you know, come on, use it on her. And he, it'd be funny if he's like, but I'm trying to get a nut. Like, <laughs> right. It's like, I don't think you understand how hard it's going to be. And I do mean hard. And I mean hard. Jizz. Like cum shot. <laughs> so... Yeah, that uh, they bring her back to life and then the crew, you know, wake me up, wake me up inside. Sorry. Every time I hear bring me back to life, I'm going to think of that. Um, So, yeah, the uh, the actual Lord, the real Lord of Neverwinter is taken out of his spell and he comes back, gives them all awards and they all live happily ever after that has been Dungeons and Dragons. I've been your podcast master. What's your, Dave, I got a random question. Random question. <laughs> random question, top of my head, not thinking about it. One, two, three, go. What was your favorite part of the movie? What was your least favorite part of the movie? 
my favorite part of this movie, I think, was just the overall humor. Um, because like, like not only like the jokes that they actually tell, but I think that the pacing of it, the timing of it, like when it comes into play and when it's not in play, I think was really well done. Like the decision making with the humor, my least favorite part of this movie, I actually like, like, I don't know. I guess I don't want to harp on it all like too much because it's, it's not always fair, but I just did not like this, this, uh, the daughter actress. I think like I didn't like her in 65, and I didn't like her in this. Like, I just think that she's so like, like she is not a good enough actress to be the actress who's put in everything. I'm not saying that finding out that both of her parents are very well established Hollywood people makes her a bad actress. What I'm saying is, is that she's a bad enough actress that I went to go find why she's being put in every fucking movie. Like I didn't stumble upon that. I was like, no way. No way she's getting these roles on her talent because she's not good and she doesn't have any chemistry with the characters on screen. Like she's supposed to have this uncle who was now her father figure entirely has been raising her. Absolutely zero chemistry between them two. And then her actual father and all the scenes in the beginning of the movie and all the scenes in the later in the movie who has been raising her her entire life and has been with her everything for every step except for two fucking years. And she has no chemistry with them whatsoever. This girl who they show all these scenes of her raising her and that was been in her life forever that has a little nickname for her and protects her and takes care of her. No chemistry between those two characters whatsoever. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like she just like seems like such an outsider. For this movie in terms of like the relationships between all of the characters and actors. And it's partially just because she's such a mid to low tier actress. Yeah, I think uh, we've already touched on my favorite. My favorite part of the movie was definitely the graveyard scene. Loved it. Uh, least favorite part of the movie. Um, I don't want to get too conceptual here or whatever. But like my least favorite part of the movie is just ultimately feeling like I don't have any interest in returning to this movie or this world again. Like, again, it was really fun. I enjoyed it. It was a great watch, great theater movie. I will never watch this movie again. (laughs) It's funny that you say that because part of the thing that I was thinking leaving this theater was I for sure will watch this movie again. Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, not only do I feel like, because like, you know, we find out, you know, after the fact that Taylor actually wanted to go see this movie with us and we just, you know, didn't, you know, communicate with her what we were going to go see. And she didn't let me know that, that this was one that she wanted to go see. So I told her, I was like, I will come, I will go watch it with you again. If you want to go to the theater and watch it, I will. Uh, and even in my head, I was like, yeah, if this thing comes, well, it's, you know, I, I think it's a Paramount movie. So like, I was like, yeah, if this thing comes out on Paramount, I will probably watch it on Paramount. Um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. You know, again, I enjoy this movie because I enjoy D&D and I think that it did a really good job of making a D&D movie. Um, it's not like a top tier, you know, Oscar worthy, whatever. It is, you know, a, a, a Hollywood blockbuster. It is a, you know, a traditional, uh, you know, action packed movie. So in terms of like cinema, it offers the same thing that like the Transformers movies do. You know what I'm saying? So like I'm not going to give this movie like. In terms of my pure enjoyment of this movie, it was probably a 7 out of 10. But just in terms of it, you know, critically as a movie, it's probably a 5 out of 10 at best. Yeah, I was going to say 5 out of 10 myself. 5 out of 10. 
for me, Daniel. All right. So now we're going to go to the second part of the pod where we're going to go online and look up the trivia and see what other people are saying about the movie and anything interesting. And we will be right back. And welcome back to the after party. I swear to God, guys, I was not even. I was hesitating to to adjust my levels here, and, and this guy jumps in. See, I love it. See, Dave has to do all the technical stuff because uh, I I don't know. I'm just useless, and he uh, I take advantage of it, and I just bring the crowd in with the after party, baby. <laughs> Do you want trivia? Do you want comments? Do you want trivia? Uh, uh. Can you read your trivia to the beat? <laughs> no. I refuse. So, Bradley Cooper makes an appearance in this. There are two pieces of trivia saying Bradley Cooper makes an appearance. Yeah, no fucking shit. Why are people going on to uh, to things like IMDb to write things like Bradley Cooper makes an appearance as a cameo? Yeah, he's a fucking character in the movie. <laughs> like, imagine me going to, like uh, like the the fucking next goddamn uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I'm gonna go write a fucking piece of truth. Chris Pratt makes an appearance. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, dude? You're saying this actor makes a cameo. He's a character in the movie. It's not like a little glimpse of him in the background. And it's not like he plays Bradley Cooper. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's a character in the whatever. As you can imagine, 99.999% of all the trivia that is out there is just saying this is what this is referencing in the game. Uh, one of the things I found out that actually was cool was that the fat dragon is a is a thing. The fat dragon is in... D and D. He is an actual oh, character in an actual dungeon uh, in one of the campaigns. So that's kind of cool. Um, but other than that, the rest of it. Hey, guess what? Everything that's in this movie is in the fucking games. There you go. But here's what I actually thought was interesting. You remember, I was talking a little bit earlier. I was like, you know, the, the people who have the like they like you know Paramount, they have the rights to to D and D right now. You know, like they're they're the ones who are working uh, with Wizards of the Coast, who's the name of the company that makes D and D, right? So. What's funny is that uh, this movie was actually like this movie has been like in production for a long time. You know, they filmed it uh, a long time ago and they kept saying, oh, we're, we're pushing it because, you know, we're uh, because of COVID. And they were like, you know, like even like late 2022, they were like, well, it's delayed because of COVID. You know, it's like, OK. Um, but Warner Brothers was originally supposed to make this movie. Um, after they won a lawsuit over Universal, you know this this movie, uh, you know, was already in production with people who were employed at Universal, and then there was a lawsuit with you know Warner Brothers and you know getting the rights, and then Warner Brothers, so Warner Brothers was going to make the movie, and then it got you know moved over to you know Paramount and AllSpark. Like part of what's interesting about that is there's like a lot of this, these details about like when Warner Brothers was, was in charge of it, like the things that were going to happen. Um, and a lot of it's just, you know, about like the writers and directors were going to be different. But I think one of the more interesting ones was that Ansel Elgort was originally cast as the lead until the project was moved over to Paramount. And it's just like, I, I'm really 
glad that that did happen. <laughs> you know, that the, the project was moved somewhere else because I, I don't think he would have done nearly as good of a job uh, in the lead of this role, uh, in the lead role of this movie as uh, Chris Pine did. The other thing is that, like, you know, Warner Brothers over the last couple of years has put out some of the absolute worst pieces of shit that have come out in a long time. Um, I think that they have like kind of like for well, me, not a uh, space jam, new legacy. Okay. Well, you see, this is what we're talking about, right? <laughs> this is what we're talking about. They have, they have like tanked their reputation and I'm, I'm talking like in the past couple of years, it was like, they freaked out about the the drop in movie sales from the pandemic and just decided to make any fucking movie from with any people, uh, you know, for every single thing that they own the rights to. And I like one of the first things I remember like watching and being like, wow, like they will really will just make anything and not think about it twice was the, the Mortal Kombat movie that came out um, a couple of years ago. And the movie was just absolutely terrible. And like if this movie was if they had done to this movie what they did to the Mortal Kombat movie, I would have been fucking furious because I also love Mortal Kombat and the lore around that and all that. And they just completely went away from it, try to start a new story, even though it's, it was just like this whole fucking thing. And I was just like, man, they, this movie was dog shit. So like, I'm so glad that Warner brothers ended up not making the movie, you know, because I just feel like they would have been like, yeah, fuck the source material. We're not talking about that. We're trying to make a movie and we're making a movie, we're making a fucking game. The only other thing that I wanted to mention, which, you know, this isn't like really trivia, but, you know, it, it was just something that I didn't even think about. It was that um, Justice Smith is the only actor in the movie who's not using their natural accent. Um, and, yeah, it's like, you know, like D&D is like kind of known, like people who play it will put on different accents and different things. It's like, well, you know, there's no there is no accent for any of these places. They're not real. So, like, you can just sound like whatever you want to sound like. So if he was British, it's like, yeah, that's fine. Like, yeah, there's no Britain in D&D, but. You'll see people do Scottish accents in D and D and all kinds of stuff like that. I it's did like, a different accent for every campaign I played. Right. Yeah. You would do like voices and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was a like I think I did a campaign once where we had Daniel on as a guest for for and he played an Obsidian character and it was literally like I just gave him a character that didn't have any abilities. So that the whole time, his like only purpose was to- it was really easy to tap into that character too. I- <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so that's all the trivia that I had. Daniel, do you have some comments for us? Um, yeah, so I have two comments here that I'm just going to... They're two separate comments, but I'm just going to kind of uh, put them together. Uh, someone said, I think that blockbusters in recent years have trained us to expect an eye roll or a snide remark when the main character began singing in the scene after Holga met with her ex. But to see her join in and allow the moment to be genuine was actually very refreshing. I think that while this movie is very funny, it's never disrespectful to the characters or the world. And uh, some of the comments underneath to kind of uh, further go into that, talking about how, um, oh, wow, it's two people, like a, a guy and a girl who have no romantic anything between them and then someone even goes even further than that saying yeah and she was the daughter's mother without being his wife or anything like that she was just his mother like and i was like the seeing them say it that way and really point it out like that i was like it was actually really refreshing like it was really nice to have that just super cool platonic like uh, chemistry uh and and character uh dynamic on screen 
But yeah, he, he doesn't pull out the flute and start singing the song to annoy her. You know, he's actually comforting her in that moment. You know, yeah, that, that is a really nice moment. I didn't even think about it like that, but you're right. Like the fact that she's like, yeah, he's a bard. Like if they're friends, she probably doesn't hate the sound of him playing music, you know? Yeah. Um, and that scene with Ansel Elgort, come on. That, that scene's dog shit with Ansel Elgort. <laughs> you are just, you hate Ansel Elgort. I love Ansel Elgort, but I just can't believe that anyone would think that he I agree. should have been the star yeah, of Yeah, I agree. In this movie. role, not at all. But his name does sound like a D&D character name that you'd come up with. All right. Um, uh, so uh, the, the comment I wanted to tie to that is someone saying, I've recently noticed how modern blockbusters are often afraid of being what they are and what they may be perceived as. And I feel like Honor Among Thieves avoids that because this movie wears its laugh-out-loud silliness and infectious charm on its shoulders with unabashed pride while also serving up a full-course meal of sincerity and heart. Um, which, again, I just like... I, those go hand-in-hand hand with me where they they uh, they don't give in to certain tropes or anything like, or, or anything like that for the sake of uh, uh, studio happiness or whatever. Um, this movie was its own thing. It was uh, singular, and it was clearly made by people who love the source material. And I think it came through the screen like pretty clearly. And I, I just liked how contained it was with within its world and how uh, aware it was. Uh, yeah, it was. That's what made it so different and fun compared to other blockbusters, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to see other people kind of saying that same sentiment. This one, I'll mention this one real quick. It says that wild shape chase scene was super unrealistic. If it were a real D&D game, it would have taken her 20 minutes to even get out of the castle. Yeah, I, I did like see a bunch of stuff online about like how upset a lot of D&D player, players were about her character and her abilities just because it's so it's the furthest removed from a, a, you know what an, a druid can actually do. The other thing is that, you know, she's a tiefling and, you know, she doesn't do anything that is special to tieflings other than use her tail for a moment. But like, yeah, that, that was one that I was like, I was like, yeah, if, yeah, you wouldn't be able to cast B shape this many times and you wouldn't have access to all of these different B shapes. And yeah, it's just like a whole thing. Yeah. And, and now bears not real. That's that was made up for the movie. And now, you know, the creators of D and D are like going to be adding it to the game and shit like that. So, yeah, that's kind of a good transition into this uh, in terms of talking about um, comparatively to what they can do in the actual game. Because someone said, uh, and this is also another part of trivia, I guess, too. We could add this to your, to your trivia, but because their first part of their comment says, I adore this movie, and I do, uh, but I don't think it ever reached the heights of their previous film, Game Night, which um, I guess these guys made Game Night as well. Um, so that's just the first part. But then it says, if I could give one criticism, I feel like Chris Pine as a bard was sort of underutilized. I mean, specifically in terms of his bard skills, not enough singing or like, I don't know, charisma. Other than that, it was pretty good. Someone said, honestly, he comes off less like a bard and more like a mastermind rogue who happens to be proficient with a loot. That's called a multi-class bard rogue. And that's exactly what I said at the beginning of the movie. Get your fucking shit together. You, you anti-multi-class <laughs> pieces of shit. I don't understand anything that's being said. So here's the last comment I wanted to mention, because you had pointed this out when you had, said, when you had called the paladin a, an NPC. I, uh, I saw it, I, it stuck out to me. This comment says, the paladin being an NPC that is controlled by the DM is so funny to me. He's completely OP. He tells them exactly how to get what they want. He speaks in mostly sayings and phrases, is actually the perfect person everyone hyper 
looked up. Uh, and then he just walks off into the distance after helping. It was so perfect. It's not not to mention them betting on whether or not he would walk uh, around or over the rock. Easily my favorite part of the movie. The character alone had me dying of laughter anytime he said anything. It just feels like they nailed the whole movie because the D&D tropes were great. It was funny. Action was great. Story wasn't even that bad. I loved it. Yeah, they, they had a little joke with his character, too, that I was like, in my head, I was like, man, like, this is a joke that me and Daniel would make and we would like push it even further. And it was just because he said something along the lines of like, he's like, I find it most prudent to be, you know, prevalent and most proficient in blah, blah, blah. And then Chris Pine's ca- character says, oh, do you find that? <laughs> it's like, yeah, because, you know, like, like saying it like that, like, I find it most whatever. Like me and Daniel being like, is that you find that? Is that what you found? Did you find that? You found that that way? That's crazy. Are you, you finding a lot of things like you, that? You located that? Did you locate that? Um, when did you lose that? Yeah. To, to find that. <laughs> well, that's been Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. I'm sure. Sorry, that, I'm not Timothy, guys. I'm sorry. Um, I definitely would recommend going to go check this one out, especially, you know, if you're just trying to have some fun in the theater. Same, um, same. Very fun movie. Yeah. And uh, if it does come out on streaming, it's an easy just, you know, watch. Uh, I I didn't feel the length of this movie very much, even though going into I knew it was going to be a longer one. That has been it. So you guys can get involved in the conversation. Uh, Let us know what you thought about this movie. If you went to go see it, let us know what you thought of this episode. We are at Wild Dream Pod on Instagram, TikTok and Twitter. And we will see you guys next time. Bye, guys. I love you so much, sweet little, sweet little canaries, my sweet little birds. I had a little necklace like the daughter had that just turns you invisible when you want. I would just stay invisible. I would never come back. I don't even want to be around anymore. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to make that joke like organically while we were talking, but then you started going real fast and I was like, ah, it's too late. And then I was just like thinking about how funny and just a self-deprecating joke like that was.